Assalamu alaikum everyone. I hope you guys are doing absolutely amazing. So welcome to a brand new series. How exciting. I do have quite a few series on my page. You can find all the series in a nice playlist organized by episode on my link tree. It's in my bio. It should be on Spotify. It's everywhere. It's on my Instagram. My Instagram is the same username as my Spotify. So you can find it on any of my socials. I have my links created of playlists with all the different series organized. So to add on to all of that, we're starting a new series today. And this is a series that I actually did not plan. This feels like an incident that happened in my own life. And so I'm going to explain a little bit of what this is and why I'm doing it. So in my journey in Islam, I have talked about that a lot before on here. One of the things that I feel like always brought me closer to Islam and brought me closer to God and just revived my Iman was incidents. Incidents. When I used to hear stories of other people and how Allah worked in their life or how someone made dua for this and it worked out for them in the best way. And just seeing other people's lives and what happened to them and how Allah got them out of it or seeing their tawakkal in Allah and how much that paid off and benefited them and both lives I think was always something that I was invested in so I used to sometimes like read up on that watch videos on that or like go on reddit and like try to find stuff on it and it was just it was something that I thoroughly enjoyed doing and so that's one of the reasons why I also love to meet new people majority of the time when you know they're Muslims and you get to talk to them about like their life and what they've been through it's crazy when you see the way that you know in the way that their life worked out how Allah played a lot of things in it that may have seemed to be the worst thing in the world and then it came out to be the best in the end. So a few nights ago, I randomly got a DM from someone and they sent me this PDF link. This person in particular, they usually do send me like some useful links and contents and books and I have people that sometimes DM me like, you know, useful resources to share and whatnot. I didn't think much of it because this person usually sends me stuff. So they sent me like a link and it was a PDF and it was part three of this book. And they were like, oh, if you get time, read this. And I was like, okay. I clicked in. It was like 60 or like 100 pages. And I was like, oh, okay. So this is not a short read. Like I actually got to, you know, sit down and read for this. Because I mean, 100 pages is short, but you know, it wasn't something that I could read in one sitting. So I didn't think much of it. I saved it. And then I went about my day. One night in particular, I was sitting there and I was thinking and I was like, I got to fix my sleep schedule. <laughs> I can't sleep. I got to fix my sleep schedule. And what's the thing that makes me the sleepiest? That makes me sleepy super quickly? reading. So I knew that if I was going to sit there in bed with a literal book, I would have started getting up and then putting on my glasses and then I would have sat there and been even more awake. So it's like, okay, let me just read something on my phone. As I'm sitting there thinking about what I should read while I was praying Isha, the idea hit my brain that, oh, you should read that book that that person sent you. And I was like, okay, let's just click it and let's see what it is. I started reading part three of that book. I was 10 pages in. I read the first story. I instantly exited out and I went online and I started to read part one and I was like there's no way that I'm not going to share this with everybody so I read part one not even done with the book and me and you are going to start reading this together and talking about it because it's amazing I knew that this was something I just had to share with you guys. So this is called Presence of Paradise, and it's a collection of true inspiring incidents. And this is part one. So you can find this online. Just type it in Presence of Paradise. What this essentially is, is a beautiful collection, a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful collection done by a student who collected different amazing like stories and incidents while it was his alim course. So while he was studying these incidents 
when whenever they came from different shifts or people or whatnot, he created this little booklet with this compilation of all of these. And the reason why it's called Presence of Paradise is because Malik ibn Dinar would say that stories are the presence of Jannah. And when I was reading the foreword, I was like, okay, what's going to happen in this? Like, let's, let's just see. Read it. I was like, yeah, I got to share this with the entire world. So I decided to create this new series called Presence of Paradise, where I'm going to share with you beautiful incidents, beautiful real life stories from these books and whatnot and elaborate and we can all, you know, grow some iman, raise our iman together, share some advice from those stories and just kind of talk about it. And then, you know, hopefully this can be something that you can look forward to throughout the weeks to help you raise your iman. You know, if you're, if this is what you're looking for, if you're very invested in hearing beautiful incidents, I'd recommend the series to you and I'd recommend you sticking around because inshallah, this will benefit you. So to preface, you can find his book anywhere. And in the foreword, it also, you know, specifically thanks some of the teachers and sheikhs and whatnot whose stories are compiled in this. And it's just an amazing situation. And so I decided to share it. So inshallah, here this benefits you just as much as it benefited me. So let's go with story one. This is narrated by Sheikh Ibrahim Al-Faris. And this account, you should ask yourself while listening to this, if she can do it, why can I? So the sheikh's story starts off. This story is about a Russian woman, a Russian woman. I'm not talking about any woman from here or there or anyone from the Islamic world. This woman traveled with a group of women to a neighboring Gulf state to import foreign goods. They were accompanied by a Russian national. They were to purchase personal electrical equipment and appliances and to enter them into Russia on the pretext that they are for personal use. So as to be exempted from excessive custom duty and only pay a minimal duty. The Russian businessmen would pay for the goods which were in the possession of the women and sell them at a much higher price. The ladies were to receive a small portion of the profit. Such a thing is common and done often due to the low cost of goods in the Gulf states. When they had reached their desired destination, the Russian man presented to a young woman a plan, which was completely different from the one they had agreed upon. He said, We came here to obtain a great amount of monetary gain, which this country is distinguished for. What is your opinion to pursue more wealth? He readily requested them to trade their bodies in return for wealth. So whoever is prepared for the deal should announce it quickly. Soon he was able to convince a large number of young women to agree to his plan. Naturally, the ladies were convinced. And why not? There was no imani force to restrain them, nor decent morality to stop them. One woman, however, felt that it was not possible for her to indulge in such a deed. The man laughed and said, in this country, you'll be finished. You do not possess anything except what you are wearing now. She thought over the situation and quickly shaped a plan in her mind. She snatched her passport and ran from the house into the street. She had nothing with her except what she was wearing and her passport. Out in the streets, she went wandering about aimlessly. The Russian man called out to her saying, if the road closes upon you and the going becomes difficult, you could come to me and this is my address but the woman had already gone. The person relating the story says, I was walking alone the street with my mother and sister when suddenly this woman on the street hurriedly came running towards our direction and said, I'm from Russia and such a thing has happened to me and started to relate the entire story. All I need from you is an accommodation for a short period of time in which I can ponder over my situation with my family and my country. At the end of our discussion, we decided to accept her request and took her home with us. She started to communicate with her family, but with no response as the communication lines in her country were not in order. Nonetheless, she continued trying all the time to contact her family. 
Of course, my sister started to treat her as a sister and presented Islam to her, but she disliked and disregarded it. She was unwilling to even discuss Islam. That was because she came from an orthodox communist family, which dislikes Islam and the Muslims. One day, I went to the Dawah library and saw assistance from the manager of the library. The next part of the story is resumed from the librarian's perspective. This man took some books and went away. After a period of time, he came again, but this time he was accompanied by four women. Three of them had themselves covered with some sort of hijab, i.e. only their faces and hands were open, and the fourth one was only partially covered. Both her hair and face were uncovered. The man said, this lady is a Russian. He related the entire story and said, I came to last week and requested some books, and now I require other books and cassettes. I've proposed to her to accept Islam, and she has started to show some interest. I've promised her that I will marry her if she becomes a Muslim. The librarian continues the story. I gave him another lot of books. He took them and came back after some days and said that she has agreed to become Muslim and wanted to announce her Islam. When she had declared her Islam, I told the man that there is a group of women who are teaching the Quran and are well known for their high standard of teaching. The librarian continued her story, saying, After a period of time, the man came and said, I've married her and I'm now satisfied and very happy. All praise and gratitude is for Allah. The thing that aroused my interest most was this woman had covered herself fully not like his sisters and his mother. Strange. She adhered to complete hijab. The librarian goes on to inquire from politely how all this happened, and he relates to him an astonishing incident. He said, In the market, my wife inquired about a woman who had covered herself completely. She asked me, Why has she covered herself in such a manner? I'm sure this woman has got some defect which she wants to conceal. I, defending the Islamic sense of honor, said to her, No, this woman has adored the hijab which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has ordered for his slaves. Then after reflecting for some time, she told me, When I enter any shopping complex, the gazes of the owner of these shopping complexes remain fixed on my face. I should cover this face of mine. It should be reserved for my husband only. Therefore, I won't go out of this market except after I've covered myself fully. She insisted that I purchase a full hijab for her. She started wearing it at once. Five to six months later, the librarian meets this man again, and after greeting him, he asked, Where have you been? He said, Some circumstances have kept me away. He continued by saying, After I married this woman, her passport had to be renewed from her country of origin. We therefore had to travel to Russia. We purchased two seats and boarded the plane with my wife in her complete hijab. I said to her, O slave of Allah, we will have problems now. She said, O Halid, now you want me to obey these immoral infidels who will lead the way to hell when they die. For what they are and what they do and disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, I can't do that. These were actual words. We boarded the plane. The people began mocking at her in Russian. I didn't understand the word the people were saying, but my wife sometimes smiled, at times laughed, and every now and then translated what they were saying. They were saying, Look at her. She looks like such and such. And this one commented, etc., etc. And this one is making fun of me. Whatever, Whenever she translated what they were saying, it was like an arrow piercing my heart without being removed. She said, No, do not become upset. This is an insignificant thing compared to what the Sahaba, may Allah be pleased with them, underwent. When we landed, she said, We will not put up at my family's residence. My family is distinguished against you know, their fe feelings for Islam. We'll rent a room and stay there and accomplish all the procedures. Thereafter, we'll visit my family. The next day, we went to the passport office. My wife presented a black and white photograph of her in her hijab, revealing her face only. We were sent from an officer to officer. Each one demanded that she presents a color photograph of her, exposing her face, hair, and neck. Every officer said, It's not possible for me to issue a passport except with specification. Finally, we were told that we had to travel to Moscow and speak to a, sh a chief immigrant officer. My wife turned to me and said, Oh, Halid, we must travel to Moscow. 
I pledged and tried to convince her. Allah does not overburden any soul except that we can manage. Fear Allah to the degree that you can manage. Right now you are not forced by anybody. The passport will only be seen by a few people. Then you can hide it in your house until it expires and its duration is six to seven years. She said, no, it is not possible for me to expose myself after knowing the religion of Allah, the Almighty. Subhanallah, y'all. Mm. Okay, let me shut my commentary, sorry. If you do not travel to Moscow, then I will travel alone, as this matter is very important. Eventually I relented and agreed to accompany her. Oh, sorry. We arrived at the office of the principal officer at the immigration office of Moscow. He saw the passport and the, photog and the photograph and said, what proves to me that you're the one in this photograph? He wanted her to uncover her face. She said, ask one of your female officers or your secretary to come and verify, but you cannot do it. He became annoyed, took the passport together with the photo and locked them in his drawer saying, you won't have a new passport or get the old one back unless you bring photographs with a required specification. We tried to convince him, but without any success... I also tried to convince my wife with a verse from the Quran. Nobody's overburdened except with what he can manage. But she replied by saying, Oh Khaled, I learned at this house which was teaching the Holy Quran. Whoever fears Allah, he will make for him a way out and will provide for him where he does not expect. As we were discussing, the principal immigration officer chased us from his office. We performed Isha Salah that evening and had our supper. I prepared to go to bed and she said, Oh, Halid, you are going to sleep? With this trying situation, will you sleep? We're in a situation that needs us to resort to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for help. Come on and beg to Allah. I stood up and prayed. Whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala enabled me to pray and went to sleep. But as for her, she continued praying. Whenever I opened my eyes, I could see her either in Ruku or in Sajda or in Qiyam or making Duan crying. Until the time of Fajr. She woke me up at Fajr and we performed our Fajr Salah. She then said, let's go to the immigration office. I asked her perplexed, on what grounds? Where are the photos? We have no photos. She said, let us go and try. Do not lose hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy and do not despair in Allah's love. When we stepped into the immigration office at once, one of the officers called out her name and she replied, yes. He said to her, take your old passport and fill in the application forms for a new passport with the required specifications, but pay the fee first. We were overjoyed. By Allah, if he would have told us to pay all the money we had, we would have given it to him. We took the passport, paid the fee, and returned back to her room. My wife looked at me and said, Did I not tell you that Allah will make a way out? These words struck my heart and made an immense impact on my iman. We now decided to visit her family. When we reached the place and knocked at the door, a gigantic-sized youngster, her brother, opened the door. When he saw his sister, he was happy but also perplexed. His sister was also happy to see him, but then his curiosity knew no bounds. The face of his sister, but the dress was not. Black, covering everything except from her face. She entered the house smiling and hugged her brother. I entered after her and sat in the living room. The house was of a low-class family and very simple. One could see signs of poverty in it. I sat alone as she entered into the inner rooms of the house. I could hear them talking, men and women in Russian language, without understanding a word nor knowing what was going on in there. Suddenly their voices raised, the tones changed, and the screaming increased. I sensed that there was something wrong, but I was unable to get the real picture as I didn't understand the language. After a short while, three young men came with an old man to where I was sitting. I thought they were now ready to welcome their son-in-law, but the welcome turned out to be slaps and blows. When I saw myself between these inhumane people, I knew I could be killed there. I hurriedly opened the door as fast as I could and ran out with them in hot pursuit. I was able to shake them off my trail. I examined myself and saw the signs of blows on my forehead, cheeks, and nose. My mouth was bleeding and my clothes were torn. I said to myself, I am now safe, but what is the situation with my wife? I forgot about myself and started thinking about her. I pictured her in my mind thinking, is she at this time facing the same slaps and blows and situations that I already faced? I'm sure she'll give in. I'm sure she'll leave me. I'm sure she'll renounce Islam. 
I stayed in my room until dawn. I changed my clothes and went out to see if I could gather any information. I watched their house from a distance, trying to figure out what was going on in there, but the door was closed. Hours and hours went by as I kept watching, going and coming back. I repeated the same thing on a second day and then the third. I lost hope and thought that my wife was dead. She's murdered. But if she's dead, then at least there should have been some movements in the house. The visits of condolence from relatives, but I saw nothing. On the fourth day after these people had gone to their jobs, the door opened and my wife's face appeared, looking right and left. Never had I seen a life... Never had I seen in my life a more pleasant scene than what I was witnessing now. Despite the fact that her face I was seeing was red, covered with blood, I hurriedly went close and stared at her. I was astonished and confused. I felt sick. Her color had changed to red. There was blood on her face, on her arms, on her thighs, and her legs. Only a small piece of cloth covered her. Her feet and hands were chained and locked together behind her back. I looked at her and started crying uncontrollably. She said to me, Oh, dang, this is getting serious. Oh, and I feel like what makes it even crazy is like these are real stories narrated by like Shay. It's like, okay, hold on. Sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay, she said to me, listen, first be assured about me that I'm still a Muslim. Whatever I'm going through right now is nothing compared to what the Sahabas and the Tabi'in encountered, together with the Nabis and the messengers before them. Secondly, I request you not to interfere between me and my family. Thirdly, wait for me in the room until, inshallah, I come there, but increase in your duas and prayers at night. Perform salah. I went back to my room and remained there. After three days, I heard a knock. I asked myself, who is that who could be at the door? Suddenly, I heard a sound of a voice very familiar. I had never heard a sound so sweet, so pleasant and more beautiful than this. It was the voice, it was the voice of my wife saying, open the door, I'm so-and-so. I opened the door, my world lit up. She said to me, come, let us leave now. I acquired quite surprised. Yes, she said. We got into a taxi. I asked her in Russian. The airport? She replied, no, we're going to, we are not going to the airport. We're going to such and such village. Why don't, why? Don't we want to run away? I asked her. She replied, no. If my family comes to know about my escape, they will try to trace us at the airport. Let us go to a village, then from another village, then to the fourth, fifth, then to a town with an international airport. We eventually booked our tickets and hired a room until our departure. I looked at my wife, trying to see if any part of her body had been spared of bleeding. None. On her journey to the airport, I asked her to relate all that happened. Unfolding the entire incident, she commenced by saying, When I entered the house and sat down together with my family, they started asking me about my dress and the man who accompanied me. I told them I'd embraced Islam and had married this Muslim man. They exclaimed, This cannot be possible. I said to them, First, let me narrate the entire story to you, and told them everything about the Russian man and how he wanted to lead me to indecency and sell my dignity. They said, Listen, had you had taken up immorality and sold your dignity, it would have been better for us than you being Muslim. Let that sink in. They were genuinely okay with this girl selling her body than being Muslim. SubhanAllah. You are not leaving this house until you become an orthodox communist or a stiff corpse. At that very moment, they took hold of me and tied me up, and then they came for you and beat you up. I was listening to when they were beating you up while I was tied. Then after you had run away, my brothers chained me and began whipping me. Oh, hold on. I was subjected to agonizing strokes from the evening up to bedtime. In the mornings, my brothers and fathers were at their jobs and my mother remained in the house. I was left with nobody apart from my 15-year-old sister. She used to amuse me. This amusement was the only break I had. Sometimes I remained unconscious. They used to strike me until I felt unconscious and slept. Their only demand was that I renounce Islam, and I refused. It reached a point that during my sister's joking spells, my sister started asking me, Why are you leaving your religion and the religion of your forefathers? I started to convince her and explain to her. She began to understand and started feeling convinced, and also became impressed. The picture became clear to her, and the fallacy in which that we were living in became apparent. 
She said at once, the truth is with you. This is the right religion. This is the religion I should follow. She then said to me, listen, my sister, I'm going to assist you. I said to her, if you want to help me, then let me meet my husband. My sister started looking from the upper windows and saw you walking. She said to me, I'm seeing a man with such and such characteristics and started to describe you. I said to her, that is my husband. If you see him, open the door for him so that I can talk to him. True to her words, she opened the door and I came out and spoke to you. But now there was a problem. I was chained up in two chains besides which, was the, which there was a third chain, which was fastened to one of the pillars so that I could move to a limited range. The keys of this chain were with my sister. The day after I asked you to remain in your room until I came there, I was able to fully convince my sister. She embraced Islam and resolved to make a sacrifice greater than mine. She was determined to help me run away from the house, but the keys of the other two chains were with my brothers, and he was very strict about them. On the very day my sister came up with a plan, she prepared a very strong beer for my folks and organized a drinking party. So they all drank, and drank until they became totally intoxicated and slipped into a deep slumber. She then took out the keys from her brother's pocket and unlocked the chains, and I came to in the late hours of the night. I asked her, what about your sister? She replied, I advise my sister to not announce her Islam, but to keep it a secret and worship in secrecy until we can plan something for her. We traveled on our scheduled flight and returned back to the country. I took my wife to the hospital and she was admitted for some days for the treatment. And that is where the first story ends. So before I dive into talking about the story, I do want to tell you that if you like this, definitely stay tuned for the second episode because the second episode is not a joke. When I read that second one, I literally, my mouth dropped and I literally was just sitting there, mouth dropped, just staring at the screen. The second episode is going to hurt. Just letting you know right now, the second episode is going to hurt. It's going to stab you in the heart and it's going to, it's going to burn. It is a serious story about a crime and how some, how being falsely blamed for a crime showed this man the truth of his wife and so many other crazy things. Just stick around. But let's talk about this one for a second. One of the things that I found very interesting about this story in particular was how all of it was really, you know, when we look at one of the main incidents was about the passport, how this woman didn't want, you know, her hair and whatnot to be revealed on the passport. I feel like what we tend to think about as Muslims is a lot of times we tend to overlook little things. Now, of course, Allah doesn't burden us all more than he can bear and we can talk about that as well. One of the things that I found beautiful was when we look in the story and how this woman was constantly in sujood and ruku and this and that and constantly praying with no situation out the next day you wake up and everything works out just fine that within itself is a beautiful proof of how when you fear allah and you constantly turn to allah for your problems they will get solved inshallah and i also think that sometimes like obviously we don't have a passport situation and you know talking right now maybe most likely but i think that sometimes for us like you know when you've done all your effort and you stay firm on the path of allah you see how allah will pave away allah would never tell you to do a commandment that he knows you can't live by now let's say for example i know that some women what they say is i'm gonna take off my hijab in order for me to get a job the reality of the matter is first of all you don't need to do that to get a job. That's the first thing. Allah has written your qadr and your risk and your whatnot already for you. Now, the second and third thing, I guess you could say, is what a lot of women tend to not understand is taking off your hijab doesn't make anything easier for you. If anything, it only makes it harder. How does disobeying God, the one who controls the hearts of the people that you're going to to get that job, the one that you're going to to, you know, get success, get money, whatnot, wherever, make it easier disobeying god doesn't make it easier for you in any time day or night 
And if we as Muslims and even the brothers who obviously don't wear hijab, but if you continue to abide by our morals and the hayat that we're told to share, inshallah here, why won't Allah pave a way out for you? Some people, they see Allah's commandments and they say, well, this is just not going to work. This is just not going to work because, you know, at my office, everyone's like this and I'm not going to have a job after this and whatnot, whatnot, whatnot. You're sitting here pointing out the flaws in Allah's commandments instead of doing Allah's commandments, trusting Allah and seeing where Allah takes you. Sometimes you lose things in life that you think are the most valuable things to you. And then when you actually get onto Allah's path and follow Allah's commandments correctly and do what Allah says correctly, you will see that he will give you something way better than what you ever lost. With that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this first episode of Presence of Paradise. Besties, give me feedback. How is it? Should I change career paths and become an audiobook reader? Yes or no? Or do I sound like an English teacher? Maybe, maybe, I don't know. But I was just reading casually. But if I sounded like a, you know, like maybe I should switch to becoming like an audiobook reader, how much do they get paid? I should do some research on that. I should do some research. Besides the point, besides the point, besties, if y'all like this episode, please give me feedback. The beautiful um, stories and everything is from the book that I told you about in the beginning. You know, just send your feedback, send some love. Let me know what you think. If you guys like to be, be very, very excited for episode two, because besties, it's spicy. Not even spicy. It's sad. If anything, it's very, very sad. Like it's, it's jaw dropping. But anyway, I'm not going to spoil anything else about that. Take care of yourself. Have a great rest of your day. Asalaamu Alaikum.